Hello and thank you for joining us today. I am Lila Glasso Francis, president of the Carolyn Glasso Bailey Foundation. Today I'll be bringing you a podcast with artist David Rathman in conversation with our executive director, Frederick Jonka. This will be the first podcast officially under the heading of the Ojai Institute, which is an initiative of the Carolyn Glasso Bailey Foundation. It is a new platform for engagement and learning that celebrates the unique vision of artists. The Ojai Institute is committed to artists and to free thought and dialogue. Thank you for joining us today. In delicate watercolors and video works, David Rathman conjures the romance and nostalgia associated with the Wild West and explores American male icons of popular culture and mythology. David says, I always circle around this boy-man stuff, hubris and testosterone, vulnerability, fear, and winning and losing. Rathman has also produced video works that feature moving narratives set to atmospheric soundtracks. Please enjoy. Speaking um, today with David Rathman, who is visiting us from a chilly um, Minneapolis. And I know there's a lot of um, Minneapolis friends in the audience, so thanks for coming out to support supporting your peeps. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I just, do you, should we just start? Do you just, yeah. Okay. So we are recording this. This conversation is for our um, podcast that we have um, on iTunes as well as on our website. And uh, it's been conversations with artists for the last uh, almost two years now, I think. And um, this is going to be um, a slightly new departure as we're launching an initiative um, this year called the Ojai Institute, which is going to be sort of the larger umbrella program for um, our podcast, our, our public um, programming, and our residency. Um, so you'll be hearing more of that very soon. And so um, David is, is our lucky artist who's helping us kick that off this year. So thank you, David, for being a part of that. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I am also doing something slightly different um, this time, for those of you who've joined us before. I, and I think it was really last night at, at, while we were celebrating um, David's exhibition at Porch Gallery um, that, that just opened. And it made me think that there are, you know, definitely some artists that Carolyn impacted their lives and, and were, were, was very close with them. And I think it, you know, as part of what we're doing here at the foundation, it would be really wonderful to sort of begin an oral history project. So the way I'm, I'm a, a sort of taking the approach to our conversation today is we're going to spend sort of the first half um, speaking about, about Carolyn and about um, um, their relationship and friendship and, and artship or whatever you call it. <laughs> and um, then we'll speak uh, to um, David's practice and then touch on um, some of the, the hallmarks or highlights from his show here at Porch. Um, just wanted to give you a little itinerary on our journey. So one of the first things, um, David, so first of all, thank you for being a part of this today and uh, for joining us out here. Thank you. Um, I think it would be really great to, to sort of get down on record here um, how you first uh, encountered Carolyn, what your first, okay. uh, first moments were. I'm, I'm thinking it was 1994 in Minneapolis. She had worked... Um, I started to hear about her. I think she was working for this gallery called Tom Berry. 
and she was forming a partnership with another woman, uh, Kim Montgomery, and they formed this gallery, uh, Montgomery Vessel, which turned into a fabulous, much needed gallery, commercial gallery in Minneapolis at that time. I probably met her about 94. Um, I don't know who exactly introduced it. I believe it was another artist. Anyway, we arranged, we had a studio visit over. She was familiar with my work. I had won some awards there. I was primarily known as a printmaker. I did a lot of graphics, but she was familiar with my work. Um, and we had a studio visit and we talked about her forming her, her gallery. And then I think I had one of her early shows. I want to say it might have been the second or the third show at Montgomery Glass when I think I believe that was 1996 so it was a big deal um, she uh, first of all it was the first time I was working I'd had one gallery show before this but it was more of just when you're up and coming kind of a young artist kind of thing so this was really uh, it was my first solo show so it was a lot of preparation but uh, I learned so many things from Carolyn so but starting with the studio visits and the selection of the work and the discussion of the work was really informative and I remember I had a nice period of time to work through the uh, what the work and as a young artist I think it's important I was uh, kind of all over the place with trying various kinds of painting and um, I hadn't not that I didn't want it to be I didn't feel like I had to have a, a voice a fully formed uh, aesthetic at that point but she really kind of helped me narrow it down and it kind of aligned with my instinct her telling me what she thought was strong in the work and what to kind of work with. So she kind of really kind of helped guide the work. She didn't get in the way and tell me what was good or bad. But the show came together really nice. I was really happy with it. And she was really encouraging it. And it looked really great. So that was a wonderful process just to be curated and guided. And then it all ended in this exhibition, which was nice. And it, and it went well. And it was also the first time I kind of got recognized as a painter. I was mostly known as a printmaker. So that was really important to me. And it's still in my work. There's a lot of influence from printmaking like that. So it was a nice thing. I was ready for that. I wanted to explore, and it was nice. So to be recognized as a painter, moving beyond just uh, being a, a guy who printed etchings in his basement or something. You know? <laughs> so I was really into doing artist books at that time and um, portfolios of intaglio. So, so that would have been when I first met her. Um, Stayed with her until she left for New York, and I'm not quite sure of the year that would have been. But I think I had two shows with her before she left to New York. Um, Wonderful. And then should I continue from there? Well, um, my next prompt is going to be, um, what has been her impact okay. on you? Right. So uh, just those discussions about aesthetics, very much, you know, being an artist, it's very much about connections, you know, if you're beginning of the career going, you know, you learn how to... It was um, an education in how to talk to people, how to present yourself, you know, and, and then watching how she presented herself and how she represented the work. It was, you know, it became a, a bigger world. And it, I felt really proud to be represented from her because she was well-renowned. She was really sharp and um, just had this incredibly vibrant personality. And, and the gallery just had a really good energy to it. So it was a real, it was a real privilege to show there. She, it was amazing that way. So um, the aesthetic discussions were just wonderful with her. She, she was very knowledgeable in painting, and we'd go down the rabbit hole talking about, you know, various artists, Gilbert May or something. Even artists that I would kind of say, yeah, this guy's a little bit influencing me. And she would flesh that out in a conversation where it was like, I was pretty tentative. I should really dive into that guy more. Like Gilbert May was one. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was really struck by her knowledge and her passion 
um, for art history. And, uh, and I, I think I've developed as an artist like that. I always had it in there. So that was striking about it. She, um, uh, but man, she was something else. I mean, in terms of how she got, it, it happened when she went to New York too. One of my favorite Carolyn stories is, uh, it was, she was instrumental in really advancing my career huge because she, um, from Minneapolis, she got me hooked up in New York and that, that, that's huge. That's still huge. So, and then as in now you needed to, you couldn't just walk into New York, certainly not somebody from Minneapolis, but she said, I can, you have some work, get it together, get a ticket. I'll get you some um, conversations. So I had four appointments in New York. But I still remember that before I went, we were sitting around, and I'm like, you know, what's this all about? She said, David, the art world, she says, it's a game. And she smiled. She said, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, play. And I was in so contrast to conversations that you'd have with other artists where the connotations would be negative. You know, yeah, it's just a game. It's a racket. How do you get that show? You know, it's just a game. I love that she said that. She said, it's a game. Fun. It's fun. It was, it was great. You know, it's like, get in. If you want to do something, do it. Get in the game. You know, you can cry on the sidelines if you want. <laughs> I just don't remember that. It was like, thanks, wow. She said, it's fun. Play it well, you know. So, and then, so then I did get hooked up with this wonderful gallery that was just emerging in New York, Clementine Gallery. It was fantastic and Carolyn was still really instrumental she had another gallery going but uh, in getting collectors and she did a wonderful thing where she would really nurture artists I was really benefited by that and it was a number of artists in Minnesota really benefited she got a couple of us launched but it wasn't just getting you a show or a phone call she stayed with you she made calls she made sales for you she really was invested in you as an artist a young artist it was just totally invaluable you know because she just knew this woman was really special you know so to have her attention and her encouragement was absolutely huge. So over the years, you know, and I would call her, I remember even later on, um, I think she, after you moved here, and I, I, I needed some business advice, and I called her. She was so concise and clear about how to have this conversation. So it was really helpful on a practical level, too. And then she just had this enthusiasm for my work that I can't tell you how much that meant. It was just invaluable, you know? And she would speak about me to people, and it would just be embarrassing. But it was, you know, she really liked my work. I can't tell you how valuable that was. So it was. She was just a wonderful person, a personality, and I just learned so much professionally from her. You know how how to present yourself and how to, how to just how to do this right and be yourself at the same time. She she never she never wanted you to be any, anything else. You know. Um, I remember her telling me, you know, when you're getting ready to talk, you know, think about it, be concise, don't say anything, you know, stay where you're at, talk about where you're at, you know, because uh, people will know otherwise, right? <laughs> so, uh, great learning here. He just, I would call her just a, a huge, uh, great friend and a, a really a wonderful mentor, for sure, on, on a couple of levels. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, David. Um, so, I think... What would be exciting to to get into a little bit more is um, sort of your your practice and your evolution. And, and it, I didn't know this earlier, but that printmaking was sort of the the foundation of your practice. So okay. maybe kind of talk us through a little bit about how that transition. It sounds like this show was sort of Ooh. this first show was really important for you to kind of get into painting. Yeah. So maybe talk about that transition a little bit and kind yeah. of where it's taken you. 
So I think two things when I was art school are still really alive in my work. I was, I did not, my goal was not to be in the fine arts program. I straddled, I was in the illustration department. I wanted to be a commercial illustrator. And I did that for a while. And then I really, I just fell in love with printmaking. And um, I don't know what about, it was the aesthetics. And I started to study the history of printmaking, Rembrandt, Goya, and I really was involved and still intrigued by the process. It's a very physical medium where you have stages to build and contemplate an image. I really, I loved it. And I fell in love with the history of printmaking as well. So that continues to this day in my painting where I work in stages. I don't just sit down and work uniformly over the surface of the, of the, of the canvas or the paper. I, I use what looks to be like stencils that basically a masking tool. I block areas off that you can work with then and play as, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there's a very kind of graphic quality to the work, and, and I still think there's still kind of, kind of weird kind of, like somebody said, that's weird, that's like 1960s uh, illustration. You know, there's a little quality of that. I think, you know, one thing is I grew up in a very small town in Montana. I had really no exposure to art. My exposure to art was through um, magazines and books and, and uh, illustrations. Um, I, you know, I really not, didn't see like fine art, really until I moved to Minneapolis. I went to Montana State, two years out of high school. And my introduction to contemporary modern art history of art was in the library at Montana State University. It was looking at books. And I thought about that in conversation with somebody later. It was like, that is how I process um, looking at reproductions of artwork and, and, and the way that it impacted me. I think it had an impact in how I started to make images as well. I don't know if there's any kind of a connection there. Um, so, and I still, I still love and I'm active in printmaking as well. So, um, I think it, I kind of go back and forth. I think that there's probably more printmaking in my painting than there is painting in the, in the printmaking. Although not so much, there's a piece in the show that's real loose. It's, it's very painterly, it actually is a monotype. But I, I love both mediums and it's nice to work in both mediums. Yeah. Well, there's something, um, there's kind of two parts to this next question. One was touching on the game, mm -hmm. and when you were speaking to Carolyn, and it made me think about how sports and mm -hmm. games come through your work. Okay. And then the layering is really interesting, which also is a sports reference in this piece that we have up here on the, on the wall here in the mm -hmm. foundation. When, when I was putting it together, um, I noticed a very faint sort of pencil outline of a, um, of a basketball hoop. Oh. That's a, a ghost like or at least that's what it appeared to be because right. i've seen some of those works both before of yours of that kind of solitary basketball hoop yes uh, with the light or you know that kind of um so uh where, whereas when you're looking at the piece it looks like this landscape right or this sort of that yeah. road and that there's so much depth and then there's this little um hint so that was interesting to kind of know a little bit more about how you're how you're working and, and you're your process, so okay. um, maybe speak a little bit to sports and games and how oh, that okay. kind of comes into thematically. Um, so I think before that, I would say I think my work is very, um, it's very, um, it's very influenced by cinema, and some people there's something cinematic mm -hmm. about it. And I think specifically, I think I use, and I really do. I love films, and um, there's direct references and imagery right out of films in the show and in the body of Western. I think what I've specifically done with intention is it's more like cinematic devices. It's the way a shot is framed. Uh, it's the presentation of something that, you know, you're pulling it out of a film and making it. I don't know why I did that. I mean, I just I've been so struck by 
movies, and again, early on when I was watching the Westerns, it just really struck me. It was the, it was the iconography. Um, there was a lot of layers to that. So in terms of the sports, so, um, so when I was stumbling along, this would have been after the show, Carol, like, what am I going to do? Like, what do you, as an artist, what are you going to paint? What's real? What's your deal? And I started to do these little Western drawings as an amusement to somebody. I, I, it was like, this is not my, I'm a fine artist. I, I wouldn't tell anybody <laughs> from Montana. Who wants to hear about Western? <laughs> and then it rolled out and it turned into like, that was, that was like the really first, it was really authentic work to me because it had to do with my sense of space growing up in Montana. More than that, I think it was my, really my love of the Western movies. And again, this kind of cinematic way of looking. Um, I even studied filmmaking for a while. Mm -hmm. So, um, so as I ran, there was a long period where I was doing this Westerns. It really took, and again, but it was so wonderful. It was like I, it was something I would have disallowed myself as a fine artist to do. But then it found me. It was natural, you know. And, and then the people accepted it. So after that, I remember after that, I was like, what are you going to do? And I felt like, oh, that's, I don't know, you know. And Clementine, they were great. They were like, I said, I don't know. I can't do any more cowboys. And I thought they were going to kill me. They said, great, take some time. And then I thought about sports, because I, I love sports, and I had moments growing up. But again, my, I was like, you can't do sports. It's like Leroy Neiman, right? <laughs> really. So, but again, loving sports. And I started to let myself do it. And the first thing that came out of it was one of my favorite shows in Clementine. It was these boxing paintings. And it was a very theatrical presentation. Of, um, not far away from the Westerns. It had to do with a lot of space. And these little figures, very theatrical kind of movements of going on there and I don't believe I used words on any of those um, but it was a real connection to the visceral aspect of that kind of sport and I, I loved sport I loved the event of it and I wrestled and I swam um, I had really good experiences in athletics that I think shaped me disciplined me uh, I still enjoy sports I'm not like a fan of any particular thing I just really watch it aesthetically like people say oh, are you a Vikings I don't care I just want to watch a good football game. I just love the aesthetics of sports. Like hockey is all over Minnesota. I don't care, but I turn the sound. It's, it's beautiful. The figures moving on the ice, and I've done some hockey works. It's a very aesthetic kind of a thing for me. Um, but I think that there is a, the connection of me being involved in athletics kind of fed it, too. So after that, too, I thought I, would, I had a, a, a very nice show. I thought about football. I said, what are you going to do with football? Well, I said, what do you... I started to go to high school football games, and I took pictures from the sidelines. And again, I wasn't interested in like, you know, the rah-rah. This kind of about being being in the environment would have been me sitting on the bench in a high school game, but like looking out, just enjoying the spectacle. That stuff always had an influence on impacting me. The lights and just in a high school stadium, like it just thrilled me. Or a gymnasium, the atmosphere, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So. I think it, was, it wasn't like, it, it seemed like it became a, a vehicle or a metaphor that, that could go other ways. In the way that the Cowboys did after a while, it didn't, I wasn't my intention, or uh, luckily people had a lot of interpretations about their work. It became, yeah, I cannot, it, it, became, it could become a metaphor or a vehicle for other things, and especially when I would incorporate the writing in there. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing. I allowed myself to go and find my way to, to do something with sports, you know? Um, in a way that I, di I didn't want to get into a big rah-rah Leroy Neiman thing. You know what I mean? But there's other ways of looking at, at, at it as, as an event, kind of a theatrical spectacle in a way, right? Well, yeah, and, and you know, characters, actors that yeah. kind of, that are that are vessels for, for ideas, emotions, feelings that the viewer, I think, can 
yes. can throw in right. on their own, right? Right. So, and then people bring it, it you know, the, it's a strong thread. It's kind of like, what is your stuff? It's kind of like guy stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, and then I go into the card thing, right? And I think it's like, I did a drawing, and it was a car in a parking lot, and it said, it was a, a line from a Nico Case song. It said, I'm hanging off of that teenage feeling. feeling. I kind of always feel that way. Like, I know what's wrong, but I'm like the oldest boy in the world. Just you know, this boyish kind of thing, you know, this enthusiasm. So, but, and people are like, oh, are you breaking down the, uh, the American male psyche? And it's like, I'm, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm, it's more, it's more, <laughs> it's more <laughs> but I mean, I still keep going back to this stuff, right? So there's something there for it. Um, and I thought about that, and it's like, I, I genuinely like that iconography. I, uh, like Clint Eastwood, I mean, I love those movies. I like, his, I like how his career has expanded out. And in his movies, I mean, he's at a point now where he's making movies, and it's about, it's about men, and you know, you look at you're in the fourth quarter of your life. It's vulnerability. It's about fear, and I was aware that I could, that could kind of come into play in, in that stuff. And again, when I was working with the Western, I think now even in the cars, I'm working with, I'm looking at uh, Hollywood car chases and all, and they have a real masculine kind of reference to it. I see them as a character again. And they can be something very aggressive and kind of testosterone, but it, it can also be something very fragile and vulnerable. And again, just seeing it as like iconography, it's almost like uh, one of those silhouettes out of the westerns. Uh, you, it's like you again, kind of like a cinematic device. I would look at it. it. It's almost like you have the character here, but you could turn him over, and instead of uh, the bravado, you know, what is the dark side? And some of the best westerns that get into that, the, the psyche, like. Eastwood's like unforgiven or something. Well, and it's really complicated, and it really gets into the male male kind of stuff. So, it, it I, I again I haven't set out to to do that. People sometimes expect me to have a lot to say in that regards, like mm -hmm. you know how are you addressing Americana and masculinity. I, I don't know, but I mean the work kind of stays there. I, I kind of move in in that direction with that. Again, it's just kind of working with. Uh, imagery and ideas and a series of, of things that, that really engage me and excite me and not knowing where that's going to go but it, it does feel like it feels when I'm on to something it feels like that it's right like it's 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 right for me to be there with that material and, and mm -hmm. see what I can do with it so um, well, so you're 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 drawing some threads to to the car work which mm -hmm. which features in the um the show up right now at, at Porch. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Dig a little deeper. Yeah. That? So, I, I've liked painting the cars, uh, side views. Again, I seen them as a figure and using words. Um, I hadn't painted cars in motion, and, and then I went down this rabbit hole. Still am, where I'm interested in the history of uh, uh, car chases and cinema and movies and that kind of a thing. And uh, there was a curator in my studio a while ago and he pointed out he said there's a painting of the show of a truck barreling down the road and he goes well you know those guys uh, even up to Tarantino they talk about um, the mechanics of filming a car chase they're very influenced by westerns and he said and I did not know that mm. he said Neat, I did not really know that mm. but again maybe why would I have been attracted to that or something? <laughs> but he said yeah um, there's an image of a a car of a truck on the road there was from Spielberg's first movie as a director, 1971 deal. And he talked about that. He said he talked about that. That this friend, he was like talking about John Ford's stagecoach. 
how this image is kind of moving out for you. So again, it's kind of looking at an object. It's almost, uh, I feel like that maybe the same way that he talked about it, I would have looked at it as a painting. It, it's like graphically what's, what's happening there and then how I situate it and how I add to the atmosphere and then the final component would be the words, the humor. So the, the writing I use, I use in quite a bit of my work, not all of my work, and that started a long time ago. Um, I'm not sure how. One of my, again, springing from the notion of being an illustrator, and I did do that, I, I, I did do actively, uh, and was wanted to be, when I was a young boy, I wanted to be a cartoonist. So mm -hmm. there was this impulse in the early on doing drawings with a bit of script or writing. I remember when I was a boy in the paper, I loved the editorial cartoons. Uh, I loved the drawing, I didn't know what was going on, but it was drawing text. I, I just thought that was really, really powerful. So um, I think, I, I'm not sure what, how my decision came around to do that. I'm probably a failed writer or something, but I, I <laughs> wanted to use writing in the work. And there were precedents, of course, in, in the art world, right? Ed Ruscha's work. And so it was, you know, it wasn't just like, uh, I, you know, I, there, it was like, okay, image and text, people were working with that. And I started to do it. And it became, a, you know, people were like, yeah, I like that. I like your little nervous writing in there, you know. Um, to me, the writing in the pieces, it, it can function as, uh, oh, a lot of times it, it seems to me, and again, I, I'm not interested in, like, being my voice to you. I, I, I feel like I'm kind of um, trying to adopt a voice. To me, a lot of times when you see that text, it's like it's a, a voiceover you're hearing in a movie. Mm -hmm. There's a scene, it might connect, it might not, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be internal dialogue in somebody's head, you know. And somebody said once, "What's going on here? Are you, are you talking to us? Are you talking to your painting? Is the painting talking to us?" And I'm like, I, "Whoa!" You get my notebook, and I'll take all of it, right? But it, it can function on that level. And then obviously, I like I like using a sense of humor, and so they're they're um, I. On a, on, a, on a practical level, so the, the painting of the drawing always comes first, and then I go back. I have notebooks ongoing where I've kept these these bits of writing that I used in the pieces. And the writing is compiled, it's ongoing. Um, song lyrics, song titles, movie dialogue, uh, maybe some bits of books I, I read a lot. And then uh, more and more uh, like overheard conversation. Like uh, some of that stuff seemed kind of literary in a way, really, and a lot of them in the short. I'm really interested now in kind of vernacular sayings, kind of almost generic. Like there's one that floated in there, like um, where's the one? Well, the one about trouble is mm -hmm. this one. Uh, I'll remember in a minute. Anyway, they're like it's like it's not like you wouldn't like. Well, I don't need to know that lyric or something, but it's a vernacular kind of saying. You know, I didn't use it here. It'd be something like somewhere, anywhere. It could be someplace or that kind of things that people have heard over and over. So um, I keep those notebooks and then when I'm done, it's a really nice period of time where I go back and decide kind of what kind of, because it's going to change the piece for sure. It's going to, um, um, and, and I like that. And, and it's a way to take it away from me and my ego in a way, because the way I'm going to put that in there, you know, am I going to go with something humorous here? Is there going to be something kind of poignant? It could be in, in very much contrast, a very serious, beautiful drawing with something kind of ridiculous or something. So I, I like that it, there's, a, <clears throat> there's a level there. There's, there's opportunity for kind of play in diff different ways that I use the writing. Um, it's usually kind of written the same, but the tone of the writing, I guess, 
and then of course how that would import into the piece so well interesting i think there's one piece um uh, one without text uh, from the show that resonated with me uh, the first time i walked through was um the guitars in the corner with sort of a kind of abstract maybe kind of goofy face painting yeah um in a way it felt like just spending more time with you and in a way it, it feels somewhat like a self-portrait yeah i don't know um what you think about i that. think so so yeah it's called Syed studio and i've done a number of them there's i haven't done like full shows but there's i i i'm love i love painting the history of painting and i love the genres of painting so uh, i did even some crazy like i'm gonna do florals well i did crazy <laughs> But like I like the interiors, uh, the interior thing. So I was intentionally kind of doing that, doing rooms, um, and I think obviously the, the big part of my work all through it is this notion of being kind of a storyteller. I, I, I like that. I think very early on that I, I got recognition and credence as a boy. There's an entertainment value to the drawing and amusing people, and I like that. And I think that's mm -hmm. continued to me. So storytelling, you know, narrative, but yeah, maybe more storytelling, almost like you drop in on a story. And, and some, of the, some of those pieces are the more interesting to me when I don't have words, like you're just peeking in there. So in terms of the studio, I, I've done about four or five of those where I'm interested intentionally in painting somebody else's studio, a painter's mm -hmm. studio, okay. and then I add some things to it. So that was a guy, Syed Studio, I saw his, he had a photograph that had a lot of the components of the painting on Instagram, and I just great can I paint one and he said yes and then I added some other things in there so it was a way for me to inhabit his studio mm -hmm. and oh god would I have loved to have a guitar you know the crazy guitar I never played guitar mm -hmm. but it's this uh, so again historically looking at uh, still life paintings but also any painter it, the, oh my gosh you spend so many hours in your space this, it, it's just the magical space you know to be in a studio and artist studios are like that so, yeah, so it, those were the kind of the intentions behind that kind of a piece. Yeah, and I guess if, speaking to Instagram, having fo uh, following you now, I do feel like, you know, and obviously a lot of artists have music playing in their studios, oh. you know, while you, but it just seemed to me as kind of this um, touch point of being something important in, the, in that creative process. Yeah. And obviously you're using, you copy the text, the lyrics, right, in, 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 um, in your pieces, but maybe speak a little bit to the role of music, I think, in, in, your, in your work or process. Yeah, um, like a lot of people, it, important to me day to day, I listen, I don't always listen to music, and I do listen to a broad scope of music. I, I wouldn't say the music I'm listening to influences me, it's more like it goes with the day, it might be classical or rock mm -hmm. and roll. When I, I'm, and I've done some pictures, even whole shows where I, you know, I love rock and roll, and again, it was the spectacle of uh, being in the audience and being in the clubs and just being really moved. I, I remember early on when I was at art, art, I was like, oh man, that is so, to have that power of the musicians and to have something alive, kind of like boom, happen like that. I just thought that's just, they, they got it over painters, right? I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, I just marveled at it. And just the pure excitement of being at a show and doing, you know, loving rock and roll music. So. Again, when I've done those paintings, I've, I've taken cameras in or worked for other people, photographs, it's kind of like, kind of, it's always your back and 
kind of trying to capture the spectacle of that again. It's almost like it could be the boxing or the football. Is there something kind of theatrical going on? And then always, I, I gotta say, I mean, I look at it. I, I wouldn't. It, it's breaking down these things very graphically in my mind, almost abstractly, trying to put you upside down. It's compositional. It's just really basic kind of stuff. How to put a picture together. But then, yeah, kind of infusing it with maybe this. Like, I could have been a guitar player. You know what I mean? It's kind. Of, it's kind of. I think it is kind of a projection. Like if I could have been in a band, or if I could have been a good football player, or boxer, or you know, hell, cowboy. Yeah, I never had a Camaro. I mean, I drive a Honda Odyssey with car seats, you know. But so it's a projection. Maybe someday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a That's lot right. of projections. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, kind of inhabiting roles. You know? mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there, there's a playfulness to it. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know that you're sort of. I feel like I was looking at this one painting last night at dinner, the one on our wall here, and um, I just it struck me as a light on it or something. There was just a, so much depth to it. Mm. It felt like you could really, like it was another plane, you know, another place to kind of, you could fall into it and be on this deserted road mm. and, yes. you know, kind of barreling down somewhere. Mm. Um, That's it was, nice. Yeah, it was kind of a nice It little. feels that way when I'm getting to the completion of a painting like mm -hmm. that. Like I'm, I'm literally in there and it's very satisfying. You created it, but you're, you are literally absorbed into into the picture. You kind of live it, you know. That that's a nice thing, and then you know you let it go. But uh, it is a process. I think the way and uh, watercoloring. I don't know quite how they were. I got into that. Like a lot of people are oil painting when you're out of art school, and I I liked it, but it, it was oh my gosh, you know, six weeks you're still scraping, and you can go forever with an oil. No resolution. <laughs> and I started monkeying around with ink and watercolor. It's like you know right away if it's working. You just know. And you can stop now. I do, there's a lot of preparatory work. But if it's not working, you just stop. You just know, right? And you, I love watercolor and ink. You have to stay with it. It's a very alive medium. Um, even though there's a lot of control on those paintings, you'll see in the skies, particularly I would mask areas off. Uh, putting water and pigment and manipulating the board and spraying it. So it's active. It has its own, it, the playfulness goes mm -hmm. on right there. I love it. I love watercolor. Right? So, and in that regards, I mean, they don't teach that in art school. They don't teach you how to paint with watercolor mix. So I, I, lear I learned from looking, and again, you know, I'm looking at Andrew Weiss, watercolor, mm -hmm. Hopper, Sargent, you know. I still do. I still look mm -hmm. at those guys. So I kind of taught myself how to paint in, in watercolor. Even buying like the basic books, you know, just these guys, you know, you find in the art store, they just don't teach it. You know? I just love it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic medium. It's, um, you know, it's just so alive. It's got its voice. It's always, it's always going to have a say, unless you know you're painting really tight or something. It's going to have a say in the formation. And I don't know. I just, I love it. I just love the medium. Yeah. Yeah. The oil, oil painting was just. It was never. It was too much. The medium and the concerns about the medium were always would override the thing that just kept going and going. It's like, geez, what are you doing? Well, I see, and I see the parallels to illustration. It, I mean, I true. think there's there certain go. there's certain immediacy to it, right? And that that's a good point. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I thought of that too. When we were in the illustration classes, it was a, um, ink, and at that point we used uh, dyes, Dr. Martin dyes, which were these kind of concentrated. Because again, you you had to in, in that commercial environment, you worked fast. They reproduced really well. So there you go. That really probably was the introduction to it too. But I don't remember there wasn't much technique taught. Mm. Um, people, it was the, that 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 era was all about kind of painting 
and people would even paint on photographs. It was about painting very photographically. Mm -hmm. They didn't. It wasn't really about using the medium. It was like using pigment. So later on, it became I wanted it to be more alive. So then you start looking at the people that really know how to do it, right? Watercolor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you but know, you, there is a nice quality for any of you. That's a good point. The kind of notational quality with working with ink. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess somebody who's I think kind of on the extreme of that is, um, you know, he did all those illustrations for Hunter S. Thompson. Stebner. Yeah. Yes. Love for it. some reason, yeah. I don't know why. In my mind, I'm kind of coming around to to looking at that such such expressive use of, of yeah of the ink yeah and the, um, where where it starts to have its own personality. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely influenced me as well. Uh, I, I reined it in, but I mean, the whole splatter <laughs> thing is that's fantastic. You know, remember the splatter? Yeah, thing? yeah, I know like, what you can oh create. He's that, got this yeah. beautiful drawing, and yeah. he was like, oh, he just like threw water on there. What a, what a thing to do. Exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that, I'll do it a little bit now. I mean, you could just like kind of let it have it. It's like a, here's a chord ringing in your ear. Just drop a little drop of water, thing of the brush a little bit, you know. Well, yeah. also though, what that those gestures, <clears throat> excuse me, that those gestures can then be interpreted. That you sort of start, you throw something down there, and then all of a sudden, it starts to become something, mm. right? Like the, mm. the, there's yeah. a certain like organic quality. You're like, oh, I can see a face, or oh, I can mm. see a mountain, or I can, and then I can see it kind of evolving and, and growing. I don't know. There's something yeah, that's kind of. Coming yeah, there, through, there is that nature when you're too. watching the ink and watercolor mm -hmm. dry, there is kind of this Rorschachy thing. Mm, exactly. I love that yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what do you see? Exactly. Yeah, too much. <laughs> um, well, I, I, another place I like going um, in these conversations is sort of what's exciting you right now and what's sort of kind of taking you you know, forward in, in your work or... Yeah, um, I, I, so I can't say I um, see a clear body. I'm really excited by this body of work because there's a real kind of a lightness to it, literary lightness. Very blue. And I don't always yeah. work with color. I, I have a lot of my work, I work, I like monochromatic work, and so I'm really enjoying <laughs> working with color. I'm enjoying literally the lightness and working with light. Prior to that, the last show I had, uh, I, I love doing, you'll see, I love doing nocturnes, mm -hmm. and there's yeah, a great history of that in uh, painting and photography. I love that. But, you know, it's like I've done that, you know, and I felt like, oh, I kind of, so, so I'm entranced by that. It's really nice to be out here and absorb that light. Um, I, you know, I don't see anything real radical, you know. I'm going to do some more car paintings, you know. Um, I don't see anything there. I don't know. I feel like I am somehow. Something's different. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, and I, and I usually do. It comes into focus. I usually work on, I have a couple things going. I never deny something. You got a crazy idea. You might come to fruition later. <laughs> I did. So when I started doing florals, I was, what are you going to do? And I turned out, I started adding tanks and airplanes and weaponry. <laughs> and it, it was a really nice series, mm -hmm. you know? And they had this kind of formal element. It looked like a Greek urn or something. And I don't even think there were writings. So then that led to that book um, that had incorporated the writing. So the, kind of the idea is you kind of put to the side. You kind of keep them alive. I can't say that I have anything right now. Oh, yeah, I do. That's <laughs> totally wrong. Again, collecting the the desert the desert island cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're googling the history of that, there's a problem here. I mean, the history of the single slot thing, but I'm interested in like maybe what I can do with that in a series of drawings or paintings, something. I mean, I could it could get pretty crazy, 
but it's the notion of the desert island cartoon, you know, guy, usually the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably a girl there, maybe. <laughs> you know, but the tree. But all the implications of that. The there's coconut. A, there's I, usually I, a coconut. There's no book on it, but there, I did, a guy did write a nice history of that. So, I, so that's something like a rabbit hole idea that I'm kind of intrigued with. The desert island cartoon, mm-hmm. right? And then just graphically it would be that, you know, with some writing. So that one seems to keep staying alive in me. Well, I, I think something yeah. that we talked about is that you've, you know, and this is the humor thing coming through, is yeah. that you've been thinking about putting together, curating a show, an exhibition yes, of true. artworks oh. that really touch on that. So well, I true. think now it's making more sense to me now okay. <laughs> that that underlying um, interest of yours. Okay. Um, in humor, so you know. That's ma- good. I'm ma- sorry, I forgot that. That that definitely, and I've actually reached out to a curator in Minneapolis, and because I've I've wanted to curate a show for a long time, and I like the space, and we, and she said, well, what would it be? And I was like, I did a humor show. She said, God, dude, that would be great. And we really put this together. Um, maybe st- we have. I, I just There's more conversations that. to come. On yeah, that, for yeah. Sure. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know. So that, that I've wanted to curate that. That seems like the show. People say we should do a watercolor show. I don't know about that. Yeah, the hell no. But it, it just tried, this just came a couple of weeks ago. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to do this. This space would be great, and mm-hmm. so she's open to it. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I also imagine maybe a nice, um, some nice book or zine or something. Yeah, could, I think I'd want to do a little piece that. of writing. Yeah. About, yeah. yeah. I think the time is right, right? Just oh, a good God, we need some women. Exactly. So, um, well, and there's a lot of people doing it. It's not like ha-ha humor, but that, oh, even in Minnesota, there's there's a really nice range of people. Um, there's a Native American artist that's really hitting his stride aesthetically with his mm-hmm. painting, but the hu- there's humor coming into it. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful and rich. So I'm compiling a list of people I'd like to do. So it, it feels like, and again, I've never done it, but it's, you know, and I'll have something in there probably but uh, it, so it's a new thing it's a new thing for me personally and in my career that I kind of wanted to do and that just became clear to me like we should do a humor show well awesome so that, we'll, we'll all be following and yeah. we'll look forward to seeing that okay. um, well thank you so much David and I just wanted to open it up if, if anybody had a, a question or two um, as we wrap up I love them too I'd love to ask the same question. One thing we do at the foundation is we help a lot with education. And um, I always like to ask artists, um, what's your advice for people wanting to become an artist? For a young person thinking, what do I do? I know I have this love, I have this passion. Mm, what's yeah, your advice? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like, for especially a lot of people, there's so much information coming at them. But I, I do meet people that, I mean, I think you're kind of wired that way. They're like, I want to paint, or I want to make photography. And they seem really clear about it. I find that really interesting. I've met some young people lately, and like, I really want to paint. And they're doing it right, which I say, are, it's beautiful. Study the history of it. Stay in love with it. Study painting, you know. And don't just try and align yourself with what you think might help you as a painter, Read, 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 look and study painting, you know. And when you get into it, it's like you're in this continuum. I love it. I feel like I'm in a guild. It's, it's, it's turned into a career, but it's a vocation where mm-hmm. you're in the river. I study painting and still do. Look at other artists. So my, that's my advice is just stay in love with it, but educate yourself and, uh, and then do the work. Just work, work, work. you got to work. You, you know, you know, it's going to take you a while. So I, I find people get really discouraged, like, oh, I gave it two years, and, you know, and, 
and maybe that's how it's supposed to be, but it's, it's not going to come that easy, like a lot of things, you know, there's some skill involved in developing our aesthetic, so, you know, I, I just, I really encourage it when I meet people that way, because there's so many ways and distractions that they, people have now, with, with their phones and everything, but when you find somebody that's really genuinely interested in photography, or theater, or I just say, wow, really let that blossom in you, that passion, you know, really. Recognize that, that that's unusually, or even because they're not sure sometimes. Like, I don't know. And I say, well, the fact that we're talking about it is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of let it open up, you know. And even if it's, even if I always say, even if you think you might be a painter and you don't end up a painter, you might very well end up in a really exciting, satisfying, creative life. You know, we know, we all know so many people that start mm-hmm. out and, and they're have and live a creative life, and it's not necessarily what they thought they were going to be, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I always say that. I said, recognize you've got that, you've got that in you, mm-hmm. that spark. Uh, keep it going, and, and don't worry about being focused. Like I got, I'm going to be a painter. You might be, but you might end up a wonderful designer, or a filmmaker, or a gallerist, or something. So it's fun to see. It's fun to talk <laughs> to young people when they have the, the, the passion. It really is. And it's fun. So David, for one thing, what a treat to get kind of an inside view. Oftentimes we go to shows, we go to galleries, and we never really have an opportunity to hear from the artist. And so what a treat to basically be taken inside. So thank you for that. So with Carolyn, you have this unique relationship in which you were able to kind of share all that was going on with you and the, probably the, you know, the, the questioning of what direction you would go in. Today, as obviously a much more advanced, much more mature artist, mm-hmm. It's still a lonely place to be when you're sitting there in your studio, regardless of whether the music's on or not. Um, who do you go to? Is there somebody today that you wow. say, you know, wow, I'm not sure. I mean, you've shared with us kind of these d- different directions. Mm, yeah. But do you have somebody as a mentor or do you kind of rely on the um, gallerist to kind of tell you? I mean, yeah, what? I'd say my wife is amazing. She's <laughs> incredibly intuitive and boy I really trust her on a direction there's one other friend of mine who's a writer well I'll plug him something and so that's important yeah but though I would say those two people in particular like when I'm thinking of something new or even when I start to develop the imagery those would be the, the, this one friend of mine who's a writer and then my wife and they're important yeah I haven't thought about that it's actually really important yeah um, my, uh, I mean, not so much my artists, my painter friends so much, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe that's what keeps it healthy is my wife, she's a photographer, mm-hmm. but she's not a painter, and my other friend is a writer, so, <laughs> but, it, so, and, but they've also known me a long time, but that's, it's a really nice, and it's really invaluable, and it really is, especially early on when you're, you're uh, kind of feeling out a new idea, like, yeah, that's a good question. Awesome, thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's start back. What are your best hours in the day? When do you tend to work? Oh, um, you know, I'm getting old, so uh, I used to work. You know, I would. Uh, I think I feel like ten to four. I feel like mentally I'm really awake then. I think my kids are at school. I have young kids. Um, yeah, ten to four. Yeah. I used to work at night, but no, it's a different time. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like physically and mentally, ten to four. Everybody's different. It's so interesting. They are, yeah. yeah. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get in there, and if I'm if it's going to be a painting day, there's so much like preparatory work behind before you actually paint. You know, getting ready. Some days everything's ready. You know, and you got to hit it with the canvases. 
<laughs> and I said, what should we put on the dates of some of these books? She said, how about yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I cut it a little thin. <laughs> so, and I, yeah, it's literally, it's like two weeks ago, and I'm finishing those paintings. And, and then there'd be a day, and I know now, it's like, no, it's not today, don't paint today. So stay here, hold on, stay here, you know, I, I, you know, you just sit there, stay in the room, maybe, you know, just get in touch with it. I, that That's kind of new to me instead of that kind of forced tour. So um, so it is kind of, that's a beautiful thing of being able to spend the time in your studio. So the time before and after where you're actually painting um, is really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. For me, and again, going with ink and watercolor, it's kind of, when we actually do paint, it's kind of, I feel it's really kind of performative. It's, it's like it's happening. You know, they happen in kind of brief kind of sessions and, you know, and you build them up or something. So, and again, I just have found that much more suiting to my nature than long periods of oil painting or something, so. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you all for joining us, and thank you again, David. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, buddy. All right.